Thank you for tuning into our podcast. Here at Velocity, we love to know when lives are impacted. And if that is you, please shoot us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the message. I'm going to speak to you today uh, from a passage, passage in 2 Kings chapter 13. Uh, this isn't uh, really well known. It's not a classic like California Love, a song that everybody should know, Marissa. Uh, it's not like on the greatest hits. It's not like you know one of those that you would just be able to find. It's a little bit more obscure. It's a little bit deeper into the album, but I found it's often those things that I tend to skip over are those things that seem a little bit odd on the surface, that when I get into that, when I, when I mind those, God can really begin uh, to speak to me through it. Some of the richest truths in God's word are in those. And uh, if you're not excited, I'm excited today. And what I'm going to do is just pick this up in 2 Kings 13, 14, and I'll break it out as we go along. Uh, what it says in 2 Kings 13, starting verse 14, says, Now Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. So as we jump into this text, immediately, right off the bat, we can see there's a problem. And the king has gone down to see Elisha. And if you don't know who Elisha was, Elisha was the prophet of Israel, one of the greatest prophets of Israel. Sometimes he was called a seer. And, and the reason is, is because Elisha could see potential in situations where others couldn't. Uh, like there was this one time, you can read about it in his story, where the kings of Israel, they were going to go into a battle, and they were going into this battle, and they were halfway there, and they were running out of water for all their soldiers, all their horses, so they're freaking out. They call Elisha. Elisha comes on the scene, and they say, Elisha, we need you. We're about to run out of water. He says, don't worry about it. Uh, I can see the potential that it's going to rain. What you need to do is make this valley full of ditches because tomorrow it's going to rain and there'll be plenty of water for all your men, all your horses. And that's exactly what happened. He could see potential. Uh, there was another time where there was this widow. She was about to lose her sons into slavery. Her husband had died and she owed her creditors so much money that they were going to take her sons. And, and she was in the need of a miracle. She called on Elisha. She said, Elisha, I'm broke. But Elisha, he could see provision where she only saw poverty. He, he said, I, I see potential in the situation. What you need to do is actually go out and borrow more. That's crazy. She's already up to her eyeballs. And he says, go borrow more because God's about to provide for you. And, and he does this crazy miracle. She not only pays off her debts, but has enough money to live off of for her and her sons. It's an amazing miracle. Uh, th there was this, this other time where in Elisha's story, there was this church, they were like doing a building project, and, and this guy was out chopping wood with an axe. The, the axe head flies off while he's chopping, and, and it, it falls into the water, and, and he's freaking out because it's not his. It, he says it was borrowed. And Elisha saw potential in that situation. He, he says, God cares about you so much, he can help you get your edge back, even if you feel like you've lost it. He can help you get back to work. And so Elisha, he could see potential. He had this ability, this divine insight. And it was this, this ability to see potential that gave Israel their victories. And so at this point in Elisha's story, he's been quiet. It's been decades. 
since anybody's heard from him. And, and now this king who's been newly crowned, he wants to see the prophet one more time to see if there's any potential that Elisha might be able to help him before he dies. Now, you got to understand, it wasn't common for a king to go visit a prophet. Like, like that's not what kings did. A king has everybody come to them, but Jehoash, he's so desperate that he goes to see Elisha, and that's what a desperate situation will do for you. It'll drive you to come to a place where you'll do anything to hear from God, and I don't know what your situation is here today, but I believe that if you're in a desperate situation, at least you're here, and I believe God's gonna speak to you today, and he cries out to Elisha, it says, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. It's kind of a strange thing to say, but essentially what he's saying is, Elisha, what are we gonna do without you? I recognize, Elisha, that it's not our chariots, it's not our soldiers, it's not our horsemen that have won our battles. It's God's word through you that's given us the victory. And if you're gone, if you leave, I don't know what I'm gonna do. So he needs some comfort. But Elisha, he doesn't give him comfort. He gives him an instruction. He doesn't give him any chicken soup for the kingly soul. He gives him some marching orders. And, you know, that's why we come to church. We come to church to get a word from God. We come to church to get instruction for our next step. We come to church to hear what we need to move forward, and that's exactly where he's at. And so Elisha says, get a bow and get some arrows. He's saying, look, you're here crying. You're here concerned about the battles you're gonna have to fight. You're here concerned about the wars you're gonna have to wage, but can I tell you something? You're not gonna win while you're weeping. So he says, get a bow get some arrows, and he did so. He, he took the bow, and he said, take the bow and put it in your hands. And when he'd taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands, and he's about to give him some guidance, and I love this because it's a picture of what God does for us. He doesn't just give us instruction through his word. He actually gives us his Holy Spirit as a guide. So Elisha, he puts his hands on the king's hands, and he says, open the east window, and he opened it. He says, shoot. And he shot. Then Elisha said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram. You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. And then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. And Elisha told him, strike the ground. And he struck it three times and stopped. And I need to explain right here, because if you've ever heard this passage before, it might be a little bit confusing. And like the one time I've ever heard somebody preach on this sermon, uh, they, they say it like he had a bundle of arrows in his hand and he's like just, you know, like just hitting the ground with it. But that's really not what happens here. You got to understand, he's, he's saying strike the ground, hit the ground, just like you would say hit the target, strike the target. He says, I want you to take these arrows and, and aim and strike the ground. And so the, the king, he, he took an arrow, pulled it back, shot one. He took an arrow, pulled it back again, three times, he shot and struck the ground. And then in verse 9, it says, the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. And the story ends right there. Got kind of like this perplexing situation. 
God's answering this king's prayer, but the king stops short. And in this strange, bizarre story, I believe God wants to speak to you today about whatever situation you're facing. And I believe that this message today has the potential to change your life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Well, if you believe that, I need you to find five or six people, fist bump them and tell them, you've got potential. You've got potential. You've got potential. You've got potential. Now, see, some of you only did that three times, and you stopped short. I want to talk to you today about a potential problem, a potential problem. You know this is going to be a good sermon with a title like that, a potential problem. So if you're ready to hear from God today, I'm going to pray, ask for God's help, and we're going to get into his word. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. God, I'm so thankful that every time we open up your word, you speak to us. And I'm asking that you would speak to us today. God, we need to hear from you. We don't come to hear me. We don't come here to get my opinions or my ideas. We come to hear from you, to see what you would say about our situation. So God, I'm asking that you would use me today. Speak through me. Help me, Jesus. In your name, we pray. And everybody who agrees that can say amen. Hey, have you ever gone into a situation where you didn't feel quite prepared? Anybody? Now, if you're a parent, you had better put your hand up in the air because you were acting pretty cocky when you were reading those baby books, let me tell you. I hate, hate going into situations unprepared. And uh, I, I don't know, uh, maybe it's because when I'm unprepared, I feel like I'm likely to say something uh, wrong, out of place, inappropriate, do something, behave in an inappropriate way. Can anybody feel me on that? Really, my, my fear is that I'm going to say something stupid and look stupid. And uh, that's probably why I spend so much time preparing on my messages, because the last thing I want to do is get up here and fall short of my own expectations. It's really this fear of failure. I don't like to be a failure. I don't know about you, but it's not something that's on my bucket list. It's not something that I strive to achieve. It's not something that I put on my calendar for the week, uh, schedule out. I don't like failure. And it's often this fear of failure that keeps me from trying things because, I mean, if I don't feel like I can do it well, it's easier just not to try at all. And I've just found that my, my fear of failure is often greater than my shame of stopping short. When I read this text, I feel sorry for King Jehoash because I understand his predicament. I, I do. And it might help you out just a little bit to understand the background on his story. See, because part of Jehoash's problem is the pattern that he'd inherited. The kings before him, he'd, every king he had witnessed before him in his lifetime uh, was really a half-hearted king. Every king before him tried to achieve their God-given potential in their own way. And it's because of this pattern, now Israel is under a whole lot of oppression. And Jehoash, he's a brand new king and he's trying to deal with this issue and he's, he's conscious of the fact that Elisha's time is, is short. He might not have Elisha around. He's gonna have to figure this out without Elisha and so he goes to the prophet 
And the prophet runs him through this little routine. It's kind of, kind of bizarre on the surface. And when I read it, it's, it's almost like Elisha, you know, he's putting him through it. Like, it's almost like the king is put out by it. He's just like, Elisha, I didn't come here for an archery lesson. I came here to get a miracle. So I need you, you know, wave your hands, say your words, do your thing. I need my miracle, and then I'm going to get on my way. And I can relate, because, like, sometimes people will ask me to pray with them, and I will pray with them, and I'm happy to pray with them. But, you see, part of the power of prayer is in the practice, and I'll pray for you, but you still got to put it into practice. You want me to pray for your marriage, you got to go home and love your wife, right? You want me to pray for, that you find a job, you got to go apply at some places, clean up your resume, you know, shave yourself, get a shower, do some of those things. You want me to pray over your finances. It, it makes a difference when you begin to trust God with the first, with the 10%, when you begin to live on less than you make, when you make a budget, when you do that. Like, you want me to pray for you, you still got to put it into practice. And that's what I see is happening here in this text, he, he comes and Elisha's running him through this routine. You got to put it into practice. And, and he, he, he's, he doesn't like it. But what really struck, stuck out to me, it, it wasn't what Jehoash did or didn't do. It was what Elisha declared. Because he said, it's in verse 17, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Say completely. You will completely destroy them. But he didn't. What, how, how, is that, how is that even possible? How is it possible that God would announce the potential for victory, but the king not experience it? Well, for that matter, how is it possible that God would announce freedom for his people, but yet they still live in bondage? How is it possible that God would announce peace for his children by bringing the Prince of Peace, and yet people are still in turmoil? How is it possible that Jesus would pray, Father, make them one, even as I and you are one, but people are just as divided as ever? How, how is that even possible? I would tell you, it's a potential problem. And I want to speak to you today about the problem of potential. Because Elisha says, you'll completely destroy the Arameans. And then verse 18, it says, then he said. Then he said. Then he said. In other words, it's not complete just because God announced it. It's not complete just because you believe it. There's a process. There's a process. I've learned that patience, perseverance, purpose, these are the elements that release potential. So he gives him an instruction. He says, then he said, take the arrows. King took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground. One, two, three. Stopped. And the man of God was angry with him. He says, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aaron and completely destroyed it. But now you'll defeat it only three times. Man, what a, what a horrible thing to happen. I mean, 
if only the king would have known. I mean, really. Like, the prophet said, you should have, then you would have. And why don't you tell me? But the truth is, it's where most of us live. Man, if only, if only I had known. You should have, then you would have. And I don't know about you, but like I, I run into people sometimes, they, they, they tell me this. It's like, well, I would if I could. I, I, I would if I could. Pastor, I, I would serve. I would. But, you know, I just like, I work so much during the week and, and I'm so exhausted and really weekends are like my, my, my time off and I just need that for me. And I, I would if I, if I could. Pastor, I would tithe. I, I would trust God with that. But you got to understand, like, I mean, you don't know how much I make. And I've got all these bills, which really are the result of my decisions of buying things that I can't afford. And I understand that. But see, I would, I would, if I could, even though I understand like 10% is actually a percentage. And so it's really just based off, for, you know, same for all of us, equal sacrifice. But I'm just saying like, God, I, I, I would, if I could. Pastor, I, I love coming here. This is, I, I feel so good every time I come to church. This is amazing. And I would come more often. I would, but you gotta, like, I just, I have all these obligations on the weekend, and I know the things that I've decided to do, and I know it's really me prioritizing something over church and honoring God, but you gotta understand, like, I really need to get my golf game in, and, you know, sometimes I just need a break, and, you know, I need time with my family, even though what could be better than spending time with my family in church, in the house of God, I don't know about that, but just understand that I would if, if I could. What you need to know is, is God flips that, and he says, you could, if you would, you could, if you would. Oh, that was pitiful. Give me a break. Give me a different church if that's all you're going to clap. You could, if you would. In fact, he takes it one step further. He says, you should have. Then you would have. See, if, 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 you, if you would have gotten into a group when I was putting that on your heart, then you could have had people to walk with you with what you're going through right now? See, if, if you would have, you should have. Because if, if you would have trusted me in that small area, then you could have not been so freaked out with what you're facing right now because you already trusted me before then. You would have known I was faithful then. You should have. If, if you would have made it a priority to get there on Sunday, then you could have heard the word that you needed. You're crying out to me for wisdom, not realizing that I put it in that church for you to sit and listen. You should have. Because if you would have, you, you could have, but you didn't. You stopped short. And this is a passage about unfulfilled potential. It says, it says the man of God was, was angry. I get it. I can relate. I mean, it, some of you are like, yeah, I get it. He, he's angry. He's been like 110 years old. He's a crotchety old man. What is there to be happy about at this point in life? But, but I get it. That's not what it's about. He's angry because they stopped short. And I would just tell you, for me, 
And nothing, nothing makes me more angry than unfulfilled potential. Unfulfilled potential. Someone who has the potential for an amazing marriage but walks out when things get hard. So someone who has the potential to be used by God in a great way, but when they realize it's gonna take longer than three years, oh, and you might not get a paycheck to do it, I'm out. Someone who has the potential to be a great leader, but they're unwilling to deal with the sin issue in their own life, so they never, never go any further. Someone who has the potential to be blessed by God beyond they can ask, think, or imagine. But they refuse to trust God first. So I understand why Elisha's frustrated. Because there's potential in this moment. He, he saw what could have been and he knew how much God had in store. And what I need you to know is that there's potential in this moment today. There is potential every time you come here. There's potential for breakthrough. There's potential for strength in your weakness. There's potential for purpose in your efforts. There's potential for wisdom for your future. There is potential. The word of God, it's alive and active and has unlimited potential for what God can do through it when it gets in your life. But it's funny because, and when you talk about potential, I feel like you gotta clarify a little bit. I feel like if you don't clarify, people aren't gonna understand what you're talking about because the thing with potential, it's got a problem. And part of the problem is it's unpredictable. Have you noticed that? Potential is unpredictable. I mean, even the prophet who was seeing what could have been, the Lord's arrow of victory over him, even him, he wasn't able to predict the ultimate outcome. Will you let me just take like a little side moment with this? How many, how many single people we have in the room? If you're single, just lift up your hand, you know, keep it up there, be proud. This is your moment, okay? There's potential in this moment, right? You might get a date and a word from God today. <laughs> God is good, all right? It's potential. Can I tell you something? Don't pick your spouse according to their potential. You are not Joanna Gaines, and this is not Fixer Upper, okay? Do not pick your spouse according to their potential. Yeah, he's got potential. Yeah, but he's also addicted to porn, and that's a pattern. Yeah, but she's got potential. Yeah, but she also has horrible spending habits. And if you marry her, you have the potential to be poor. Don't don't look for potential. Look for patterns. Look for patterns. I'm not saying they got to be perfect. I'm just saying, that's the problem with potential. It's unpredictable. I mean, you got to understand, if they didn't recognize it in Jesus, what makes you think you're going to be able to recognize it? Or that they're going to be able to recognize it in you? You know how I told you at the start of this, I, to tell a few people, you've got potential? I need you to look back at them and say, 
you don't know my potential. You, you don't know my full potential. Are you guys going to participate with me? You're going to just sit there like you're angry. You don't know my full potential. And you know what? You know what? The truth is, I don't either. You don't know my full potential, and, and I don't either. Because, see, I live with my problems. I deal with my dysfunction. Right? I, I'm, I'm hung up on my past. And those things keep me from being able to predict my potential. And so what I've learned to do, the way I cope, is I stop short. See, I've, I've learned how to just strike with three arrows. Because, I mean, if I, if, I, if I stop short, then I'm holding back a little bit. And, and I'll tell you why I'm, I do it. Because my fear of falling short is greater than my shame of stopping short. Can I tell you something? Like, like remember the parable of the talents? Remember when Jesus talked about that? If you don't know the story, uh, there was this, Jesus gave this parable. There was this master who was going away on a journey. He gave his servants some talents, not, not abilities, money, bags of gold, okay? And, and he says, give the one five, one three, and one of them one. He comes back, he's expecting a return. Two of them multiplied it. Two of them did something with it. But, but the one who was given one, what he, he hid it. And when the master came back, what did he say? I was afraid. I was afraid. See, I used to think the reason people didn't try is because they didn't care. What I've discovered, though, is that Lots of times the reason people don't try is because the last time I cared, I got crushed. The last time I loved, I got hurt. The last time I tried, I got trouble. And I don't think I want to go again because now I'm more afraid of falling short than stopping short, so I hold back. But can I tell you, the pain of falling short is nothing compared to the shame of stopping short. The, the pain of failure, man, it can sting. It hurts for a while. But the pain of regret, the pain of not giving it your all, man, that can last for a lifetime. That's why I would rather go all in than wonder what if. I, I would rather strike the ground with everything I have, give it all I've got, then hold back. I mean, at least, like, when I walk off this platform today, at least I'll feel like, God, I gave it all I got. If you needed me to be funnier, you should have made me funnier. If you needed me to be smarter, you should have made me smarter. You know, more motivation, whatever it is. God, I'm, I'm what I've got. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you all I've got. You work with it. So at least I'm trying. There's no shame in falling short, but stopping short. Stopping short. And that's a different thing altogether. Because failure hurts for a minute, but regret lasts for a lifetime. Now the good news is, the good news is that if you've stopped short, 
There's nothing stopping you from picking up the next arrow. There's nothing stopping you from picking it up and getting ready to strike. And here's the crazy thing about potential. And if you feel this way, I mean, if I'm talking to you, let me know. You can just like wink at me. You don't even have to like raise your hand. Just, you just, you know, blink your eyes or something. Let me know that I'm talking to you and that you feel this way. But I, I feel like the thing with potential, I feel like I'm giving it all I've got, but it's not enough. But it's all I've got. But it's not enough. Any of you feel that way? Just blink at me. You don't have to like raise your hand. Just. Make sure. Because see, here's the thing with potential. Potential is limited. It's limited. Look, I know. I've seen the poster, too, in the break room with the soaring eagle that says you have unlimited potential. But can I tell you something? You don't have unlimited potential. If it's your first time here, welcome to Velocity Church. You suck. (laughs) You don't have unlimited potential. And I think that if you reflect just a moment, you can probably think of a time where you came face to face with the fact that your potential is limited. Uh, I can for me, not the first time, but one that sticks out in my mind, high school track team. <laughs> Look, do a lot of things, I am not meant to run. And if you like to run, look, there are other great churches for you. But <laughs> I'm just kidding. I tried out for the track team. I say tried out, really, I mean coerced because they needed some people. And uh, I remember the coach saying to me, you've got potential. And I'm thinking, coach, the only thing I'm convinced I have at this moment is asthma. That is, that is how I feel. I'm not, I'm not meant to run. I'll do a lot of things, but running, no. Cross country, I, don't, I haven't won nothing to do with it. But I have potential. Doesn't that even just sound discouraging? I mean, think about it. Potential by definition means something that is not yet developed. See, you've got potential. After a while, you, you, you keep hearing that. People keep telling you that. After a while, it stops feeling like a compliment. It starts feeling like a judgment. It starts feeling like an indictment. Because you already know that you're not doing everything that you could do. But you already feel like that's all you can do. I'm I'm giving it all I've got, but it's not enough. But it's all I've got. And into that, God wants you to know, and he wants you to be set free by the fact that your potential is relative to your purpose. See, maybe you're tormenting yourself over a potential that you haven't reached because you're judging yourself against a purpose that isn't yours. Let let, let me show you something. This is a drumstick, right? This is a microphone. Both of these are designed to produce sound. And I'm not going to use this as a drumstick because it's expensive. But if I'm, if I'm measuring 
the potential of this against the purpose that it was never intended to produce, I am missing its potential. See, I don't want to miss my potential because I'm trying to fulfill somebody else's purpose. I don't want to miss my potential because I'm trying to be somebody that I'm not. Look, I can't be you, and I don't need to be you. I can just be me. And if I be the best me that I can be and do me like I can, then it gives me a whole new perspective on what God wants to do through my life. See, potential is designed and custom fit for purpose. In other words, you can't put in what God left out. You got to come to the realization that if it's not in you, you didn't need it. You don't need it for what God has called you to do. But it's also true that, that most of us, we have far more to work with than what we're using. We've got so many arrows that we're not employing. More faith, more gift than we're activating. And that's why I want to tell you about this other problem. It's powerful. It's, it's powerful. I could already see some of you thinking, why is that a problem? I mean, that sounds like a good thing. Potential is powerful. But what you don't understand is that potential can become poisonous if it's not pointed to the right purpose. In other words, like I can use this microphone to build people up or I can use it to tear people down. The potential for a strong man to be a defender of the weak, it's the same potential, the same power that can make him a dictator and an abuser of people. Potential's powerful. Has the power to spur you on about what you can accomplish, what you can do, what you will see, the goals and dreams that are in your heart, or it can make you feel insecure about everything God has already brought into your life because you're always looking out into the future to fulfill something that hasn't happened yet. It's powerful. And that's why I'm striving to live like Paul did. See, Paul said something that I've been thinking about for the last three weeks. And I'm not done, but I'm going to close with this. I'm going to close with this. He said, not that I have already obtained all this. I've already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So I don't consider myself to have attained it yet. But one thing I do, I forget what is behind, strain toward what is ahead, hashtag forever forward somebody. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ Jesus has called me heavenward. And Christ. Now, most of you probably know that, but it's this next verse. This is what I want to read to you. Verse 15. He says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. What view? The view that we haven't arrived yet. The, the, the view that there's more in us than what we've been given out. He says, and if on some point you think differently, then God will make that clear to you too. In other words, look, if you think you've got it, God's not above knocking you down just a little bit to remind you there is more in you. 
But this next verse, this is the one that confused me. And this is what really inspired this message. He says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Now, now hold on a second. Live up? That means I'm not there. Attained? Well, that means I've already arrived. So which is it, Paul? You got to help me out. Am I living up to it or have I attained it? I, th I think this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, you've, you've got potential. It's in you. It's powerful. But you got to live with your potential pointed towards purpose. Let's live up. Let, let's, let's point our potential towards the right purpose. Let, let, let's live realizing that the things that really matter is influencing every sphere that we walk into for Jesus, wherever we're at. Band, where you at? Get out here and start playing some music. Play me off the stage. You, you, you gotta remember that we have to live pointed towards purpose because the truth is potential, it's, maybe it's not really a problem to solve. Here's what I've learned. Not everything's a problem to solve. Some things are tensions to manage. And I wrote this down this week and it ministered to me and I hope it'll minister to you. But the truth is in the tension. The, the truth is in the tension. See, the real potential problem is that you would miss out on the process because process reveals your potential. How are you gonna know the marriage that you've got if you don't stay in it? How are you gonna know what God really wants to do in your life if you walk out every time it gets a little difficult? How are you gonna know God's goodness and God's faithfulness. You just throw up your arms and quit. Every time it gets a little tight. Every time it gets difficult. Every time it gets inconvenient. Every time somebody betrays you. Every time somebody hurts you. Every, every time it doesn't go like you expect. Every time you feel insecure. Every time you feel passed over. It's the process. It's the process. I'm gonna close, I'm gonna pray with you. I wanna say a prayer for every person here. If you would bow your head, close your eyes. God, you know every need. You know what needs to be said, and I'm asking, Father, that you would fill every gap. That you would speak to your people right now. God, my prayer is that we would use every arrow that we wouldn't leave any on the ground, that we wouldn't look at it in terms of, did I do enough? But God, did I use everything you gave me? And so God, I'm praying right now that we would leave here emboldened, encouraged, and ready to take what you have for us.
I want to give one more invitation. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as the Lord of your life, I believe God brought you here today so that you could be in a relationship with him. If you want to make that decision today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you just lift up your hand. Let me know that you're here. Say, Pastor, that's me. I want to make this decision. If that's you and you raise your hand or should raise your hand, make sure I can see you. I want to lead you in a prayer. Scripture says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sin, that you would be saved. And so right now, you say, Lord Jesus, I recognize my need for you. I'm inviting you in. Save me, free me, help me. Believe in what you did for me. And I receive you as my savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Velocity, would you put your hands together for people who made that decision today?